Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Burger on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me once again is League Freak, who you can find on Twitter at League Freak. How are you going today, mate? I'm very good, Andrew. How are you? Mate, I'm, I'm uh, chirpy as always after Excellent. having my uh, solid four and a half hours sleep. Fantastic. I, uh, I get by. I think I'm on my third coffee. So this could be good. <laughs> so, you, so you're pumped up and firing to go? I really am. This is going to get me pumped up, this one. All right, because, uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about Parramatta. Um, after it was revealed yesterday that from uh, Michael Chamis at the NRL that Brad Arthur is set to have his contract extended for another two years as Parramatta's head coach. After he impressed the club officials on Magic Weekend where the Eels were spanked 64-10 by the Storm. Now, Brad Arthur has been with the Eels full, as their full-time coach since 2014. He did spend six, about six games there as the interim coach at the end of 2012 when Parramatta sacked Stephen Kearney. Um, however, in his time as head coach since 2014, he's been there for 131 games. They've had 63 wins, 68 losses, and 48.09%. He's made one final series. That was in 2017. In 2016, they would have finished eighth on the ladder had they not been penalised 12 competition points for breaching the salary cap. Is this a coach you think deserving of another two years? Hell no. (laughs) Like, what the fuck are Parramatta doing? This guy has proven to be a 50-50 coach at best, and they're locking him in when there's no demand for him. What the fuck are they doing? It's it's one of those things. You hear a lot of teams and players that talk about how they need their coach to, you know, they'll they'll give them all about three years. It's one year dealing with the, the squad they've inherited, one year to clean them out and build the team they want, and then the third year they're dealing with the team that they've built that they want. Um, he's been past that period. He's, he's a few years past that period, and they're giving him more time. Yeah. Um, and I just I don't see what it is that he's brought to the club and what he's helped them achieve. I, uh, I do. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. They're fucking. They're going to miss the finals this year if they keep up playing the way they are. No team has ever won a premiership after conceding fifty points. They just conceded sixty at a canter. The storm shut it off, and they like straight away. The the very next day, they give him a giant contract to stay at the club so that they can re-sign all of their average as fuck players. It's just stupid. It's madness. What yeah. Are they well, doing? That, well, this is the thing. It's it's been. Um, reported by Chamis that um, Parramatta are hoping, apparently, that um, Arthur's expected contract renewal will give the club an opportunity to re-sign Clint Gutherson, which he's just been tabled an offer worth six hundred fifty grand a year over three years. Uh, and Parramatta have told him to take it or leave it. You've got to tell us by the end of the week. Um, they should bite their arm off. He's a he's a reserve grader. I'm sorry. I don't care what Parramatta fans say. If Parramatta fans are impressed by what Gutherson's doing, it's because that they've watched shitty football since 2012. Like, he's just the most average fullback in the NRL. I would take every single fullback not named Darius Boyd over him. He's terrible. Like, it just put him on the wing or something. He's a reserve grader when your, your main fullback is injured. You know, yeah, it, it's terrible. Like, it's not worth what they're going to pay him. 
<laughs> I was going to say, I don't, I've never seen him as a fullback. I think they've put him, I know I said this on another podcast, I think he's a 5'8", but they've put him at fullback to, so that Moses doesn't have to um, compete with another player. Because um, Moses likes to have control there, apparently. That's yeah. what you hear in the media. Um, so I think he's just there to get out of Moses' way. Um, Mitch Moses, another player who I believe is in contract extension talks to Parramatta at the moment, or is he... Um, if, if Paul Crawley's to believed, which he isn't, um, then he's going to Brisbane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, well, here's the thing, right? Let's list all of the winning teams that Mitch Moses has got at around the park. Done. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what is it about Parramatta that they value losers so much? It's so strange. And they've got all of these players off contract, and they're like, let's lock the coach in so that we can make sure none of our players leave. It's like, maybe you need them to leave because they keep on playing like crap season after season. You need a change. Why are you, why are you keeping the same shit in place? It's yeah. it's absolutely crazy. This is a team that even when they broke the salary cap was just okay. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. See, Moses would be would be fine in that side if he was on less than half of the money he's being paid at the moment, because mm-hmm. then he'd be earning his keep. Mm-hmm. But he's just not at this stage, and. You can find all the excuses you want in the world. So, you know, the forwards aren't performing well. You know, you've had plenty of opportunity to buy a better forward pack. You've been there five, six years now. Um, but I don't even think the Parramatta forwards are to blame. I think they're doing a fairly decent enough sort of job. So, of course, they could be better, a lot better. But they're not the crappiest pack either. So, I don't yeah. think Moses is a good excuse there. I think, given the forward pack that he was playing behind when he left the Tigers to what he's got now, he's upgraded in that area. So he's got no reason for poor performance at the same level that he was doing all the time with the Tigers, which he's still doing. Yeah, and the thing about Parramatta is, right, you look through their entire lineup, and the vast majority of players, they're all right, you know, and but they're committing to these players that are all right, and they're getting all right results, and they're happy with that. Like, what club is happy with all right. None of them should be. Yeah, they're just... They're sitting in the middle of the road and they're just sort of... This will do... Hold, hold, the, hold the course, Dan. This is good enough. Exactly. And they're excited about it. Like, <laughs> what the hell is going on at Parramatta where they've got this beautiful new stadium... They just had another billion, billion dollars thrown into building them a you know, training facility out of Kellyville because we all know that Parramatta has terrible facilities at the moment to use. And they're locking in everyone to, you know, let's go 50-50 for the rest of the, you know. Oh, I, I don't understand it. And I don't know why any club would want that. Like, who else was going after Brad Arthur? Who were these other clubs that were chasing Brad Arthur? None, none of them. No, probably, probably someone in England. Maybe. They'd be a superstar coach over there, to be fair. I mean, come on now. <laughs> They'd look, see him as a revolutionary coach over there. But it's the same thing for Gutherson. Who will they find for his signature for? Even if it's just Manly. Even if it's just the Manly Seagulls. You know, roll the dice. Say to yeah. him, we're not paying you 650 grand. We're going to pay you 400 grand. That's what we think you're worth. And if you can get better somewhere else, take it. Otherwise, sign on the dotted line. I don't understand why you would up your your money to him. These players are so replaceable at Parramatta. 
or every single one of them. There's no one at that club that I look at and be like, wow, they can't let him go because you don't get talent like that every day. Because you do. You get talent like that every day. Is um like the thing that the thing that gets me about this, okay, is you'll see some coaches and you just know that when they've been at a club too long, they can't inspire their players to go to that next level. And mm. um it doesn't mean that they're going to be successful, but if you can get your squad constantly playing better than what they were the week before or the year before, like that, and, and get them moving forward, like Bellamy does. Yeah. You know, then you can never say Bellamy's been in the club too long because he keeps striving for better and he keeps getting better out of his team. I mean, everyone's expected the storm to go downhill when Cronk left and then when Slater left, and they're still one of the top teams in the competition. You know, that's what he brings. But Brad Arthur isn't bringing... He isn't bringing that. Like, he, you're getting to the point now where he's had his chance. He's got entirely the squad he wanted. There's not a single player that's on his roster right now who he, you know, who he doesn't want there because he, he's had the opportunity to get rid of every single one that he inherited. Mm-hmm. So what he's got now is who he wants. That's that's the best he's won. He's had probably two to three years to sculpt this squad to what he wants. There is zero excuses for him, and there's zero excuses for... Parramatta not being in the top eight. doesn't matter what their squad is, okay? He's the coach. He gets to pick what he wants. We're seeing right now his capability is where the Parramatta Eels are currently placed. He's mm-hmm. not any better than where they currently are right now. Parramatta now can see, okay, everything else has been done. The coach is now exposed. We know that he's part of the reason why we can't go that one, one step further. He may have got us out of that slump that we were in when Kearney was coached because everything was a mess then. So thank you, Brad, for that. But we're not a top eight side. We need a coach who's going to take us to that next level and get us in there. If it means a roster overhaul, so be it. But the first place they've got to start this time around is with the coach because he's got what he wants and it's not working. Yeah, and we're talking about a coach that is at the end of the road for having the chance to do what he said he was going to do when it comes to Parramatta. It's a big sample size now. 2012 is when he started. Like, as you say, this is his squad. He's had all the time in the world to change it. We're talking about a guy that it's time. It's time for a change, and they just re-signed him to a long-term contract. It makes zero sense. It's a stupid mistake by Parramatta. No one else is looking at Brad Arthur. No one else is saying, oh, you know, maybe we could get Brad Arthur from Parramatta. He's had his run. Maybe it's time for a change. Because to get excited of being five wins and four losses, coming out of a, an absolutely disgusting loss to the Melbourne Storm. I mean, how many coaches in the whole history of the game have been re-signed days after their team got thrashed by like 60 points? It, I, I dare say never. it's never happened, ever. And Parramatta Eels just did it. Congratulations. As well as tabling uh, a player who lost in that game and was is their captain, uh, tabling mm-hmm. him a six hundred fifty thousand dollar a year contract the same week. Yep, a captain yep. and coach. So we're both going to give. Here's a contract for you to resign uh, after Don't, getting dick sixty four to ten. It's like that movie Wag the Dog, where they come up with the the slogan "You don't change horses midstream." It's like this is they're locking themselves in to be a fifty fifty team into the future. And I, it makes zero sense. And this is rugby league. This is what's so frustrating because it's not that the salary cap doesn't level teams. 
It's the administrations are terrible and there's no excuse for re-signing Brad Arthur. Like, why is nobody at the Parramatta Eel saying it? Maybe a change would be good. Just maybe. Like, what's the worst that can happen? They well, lose the worst, games by 60 points? The worst that can happen is that they sign Trent Barrett to be coach. Okay. Now, you make a fair point here. All right. <laughs> you make a really fair point. I'm willing to say I'm wrong. <laughs> First time ever. I'm wrong. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I mean there are there are generally good coaches out there that can get to take over that side, and they're they're a reasonably experienced side with a little bit of youth in there. Um, you know, even someone like Neil Henry would be would be no worse. You, but I still think Anthony Griffin's the best coach out there that's not mm. working. Um, or Jeff and he, Tuvey. Yeah, or or Tuvey as well. Those. Yeah, yeah, those two are the absolute top of the line as far as you know unhired coaches who should be coaching an NRL side. Um, because you just know they would ship up that side. As I said, I think Parramatta's got a pretty decent forward pack. Um, if you had someone pushing them harder and getting a bit more out of them, they could be absolute behemoths. Uh, but they're just they're just not getting that extra bit out of them that I think a, a new coach would. I think we've seen enough of Arthur now to know that what he's getting out of the players is the maximum he's ever going to get out of them. Yeah, and like you think about Parramatta is a a real development area, okay? How many players has Brad Arthur developed that are better than average? Like, can you think of one? Mm, I can't. Maybe one of the forwards, but it wouldn't, been, it wouldn't be a development enough worthy of, you know, mentioning. It's like, and, oh, yeah, he's he's all right. Like, that that's about it. It's not like... The Parramatta Eels have, over the time that Arthur has been there, have developed anybody that you would say is even within Kui of State of Origin mention. Um, I, I can't think of a single person that you would say. Like, well, can you think of anyone? It's only really Blake Ferguson. He's the <laughs> only player in their current squad who's, who's yeah. origin. Word. Yeah, and and he wasn't developed by them, you know. No, it's that's right. Sorry, yeah, yeah. It's it makes. I don't know what more they need to see out of Brad Arthur. I really don't know. And you look at their squad, and you can say, well, this is a squad that kind of needs a little bit of a broom put through it. Even if you're looking at the the lower end of the talent that they've got. But the problem is that this is what Brad Arthur has developed at this team. These are his guys. And with all of these players off contract, are you going to now put this team in the hands of Arthur again to bring in another group of players that might he might not have that ability to pick who is going to be better, to pick who can become better? So I just don't know why you commit to that going forward. Like, how, what was the contract for? It's for another three years? Uh, two years, so the end two, of 2021. That, that means he's going to have been a coach there for nearly 10 years. Like, and is there anything to suggest that this is a guy who is a 10-year coach at the one club? We've not seen anything to suggest that. No, um, not, not a thing. Uh, I just think he may be one of those... And we see him, one of those brilliant assistant coaches who just mm-hmm. can't make the next move up to the head coach. Yeah. Um, maybe that's that's where his, his position is. But, 
it's obviously it's obviously not working as a head coach there. They really need to look at yeah, you know, who's who's available off you know, off contract coaching wise. They also need to look at some they've got to change their game plan as well. But the the times they've been successful has been because a wing has been doing a lot of hard work. Yeah. And that's that's a woeful idea for for a game plan. You know, semi Radraja making big meters coming out of his own line and making breaks and doing all the work himself. It's like it's like how Parramatta were constantly relying on Jared Hayne mm-hmm. for all those years to do something. Throw him the ball and see what Hayne can do. And they brought Ferguson in for, as much as I kept saying it wasn't for that reason, that's kind of why they brought him in, because it's yeah. kind of been what's been happening. Um, it's such a such a crazy concept for a game plan. You, you spend all that money on halves, and then you make you make you a winger or a fullback do all the bloody work. It just seems crazy. Yeah, and, like, if you look at them as development team, right, and you consider they've got that big junior base, they've got a really big junior base, and it just we don't think about it because they don't develop the players very well at all. You should be able to attract the highest level of talent in the NRL to the club, and you should be able to just take them to the middle of the stadium and put their highlights on the screen in an empty stadium. Just say, you can be part of this. This can be your home ground. And the stadium is really, honestly, that impressive. And it's one of the, the you know, highlight clubs in the competition. They should be a club that a lot of players want to go and sign for and look at their roster and look at their coach and look at what they're aiming for. They're aiming for, like, let's make eighth place, you know, <laughs> They're not aiming high. This should be a team that when other clubs are talking about trying to get a Latrell Mitchell, the Parramatta Eels should be in a very rude position that very few other teams can get into that position because they've got all these players off contract. They've got the salary cap room that's open. How many top-of-the-line players are we hearing about are going are considering Parramatta? None of them. And it's always It's always been that way too. In previous mm. seasons, you never heard of too many big-name players going there. And if they were big-name players going there, they're at the tail end of their careers. Or being paid overs. Well, both even sometimes. That's the thing, though. It's been such a constant cycle for Parramatta and their fans that I don't think they've got over the the hangover from winning the 86 grand final. And it hasn't it hasn't helped when, when Sterling went down with his injury. They've been recycling halfbacks ever since. They've not had a single halfback since Sterling retired who's played at least 100 games wearing the number seven jumper for the Eels since then. That's incredible. And, yeah, we could, prob- we could probably name at least half a dozen halfbacks that have been called the next Peter Sterling. Yeah. And the thing, they've got to, they have to, they've got to cut off from that. They've got to say, you know what? We were great in the 80s. Yes. Sterling was fantastic. Yes. He very close to being an immortal, okay? But that was 30 years ago. And, and we're and a long way too, away from that now, and we're getting further away from it. We need to start thinking about now and the future and not keep harping back to what we did 30 years ago. Cause exactly. That's part of the problem is they're still hanging on to the 80s when it's, we're, we're almost in 2020, crying out loud. It's nearly 40 years ago. Yeah, Just, and dare you, dare you say, sounds like they need to change a few things there. They, yeah, they do. I, the, <laughs> the whole club needs to clean out. The, the board, 
Um, you know, anyone who was involved with that club going over the cap in 2016 or whatever it was, anyone involved with that, I'd get rid of every single one of every single person involved with that because that was such a, a dumb, dopey thing and it achieved zero for the club. So broke the salary cap and went 13 and 11. Yeah, they would have finished, if they hadn't have lost the points, they would have finished in eighth place on the ladder. Whoop-de-doo. And that's, they would have scraped in. Yeah, and like the following year was Brad Arthur's best year. They went 16 and 10. Like, yeah. And after that, they went 6 and 18, which was last year. Like that alone could have seen him getting fired. Yeah, so what we saw there is that 2016-2017, that was their premiership window. That was it. That, yeah. that little two-year period there. That's That was when he finally had the team he wanted. He built them all up to how he wanted them to play, and they were playing the way he wanted them to at the best he could get them. And the best he could get them was essentially eighth and, was it sixth or something on the ladder or fifth, you know. And then that window closed, and then they got the spoon, and now they're in the middle of the road again. It's And they're happy with it. It's just it's just not good enough at this level anymore. No. You just can't keep doing that. Like you can't be sitting there working towards over four or five years, a premiership window of two years, and illegally getting there via a salary cap raw to to say the least as well. And and then once you've got there and you finally got your salary cap sorted out and you're doing everything legally, you only have one crack at the title and then you get the wooden spoon and you're back to square one again. How is that a, a system that's going to work? It's just not. It, it isn't. And I don't know why they want to commit going forward to the same thing. It's so frustrating. I can't imagine what Parramatta fans are thinking. Like, well, I'd it, hope that they're furious no at it. I hope that they're furious at it because I think it's just, I think it's nonsense that they're persevering with it. I don't know if it's the media because, as we know, the media likes to talk up a lot about Parramatta and all the time. We hear about King Gutho and mm-hmm. everyone's hyping him up. He has a natural footballer. So I'm like, he's, he's a good player, fair enough, but I don't think he's deserving of, of half the hype he gets. Um, mm-hmm. And they're at it again with Reed Mahoney this year. Like, yes, he's having a good year. He's having a good year just like Danny Levi is. And they're yeah. good players, but they're not, you know, Danny Levi is not being hyped up stupidly the same way that, that Mahoney is. Yeah, and yeah, so talk about it in the in the sensible sort of manner that he is. He's playing very well. Yes, that's mm-hmm. where he's at. That's that's where both of them are. But Mahoney, the, all this praise has been heaped on him. He's saying, "On, just settle down." Exactly, <laughs> exactly. They need to chill. This is, I don't I don't look at the paramedic eels right now and think, "Ooh, they're on something special here." Like I look at them and think, "Wow, it wouldn't take much for this to." this season go really, really bad. And look, that's the case with a lot of clubs. And I think of the Panthers. It's happened to Penrith. But if you lined up the talent that Penrith has versus the talent that Parramatta has, I dare say that the future is brighter for the for the um, Panthers than it is the Eels. If, the, if you just run the same teams out, even if you look towards the rest of the season, and Parramatta is well above Penrith on the ladder. But who do you, if you had to pick those sides, who would you say is going to have the better rest of the season? And I have zero faith in Penrith this season. I'm not saying this because I've got all the faith in the world that Penrith's going to turn it around. I really don't. I'm the complete opposite. I'm a pessimist. I'd, I'd look at it this way, okay? If I was to get, if Craig Bellamy was off contract and you were to put him at either club, mm-hmm. I think he'd get Penrith a premiership before he'd get Parramatta one. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's definitely. the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, it's just, I don't know. Parramatta just, uh, I, I made this mention in another podcast. They're like, they're like a comfy chair. The the what they're comfortable with, and they're just going, you know what? This is cozy. This will do. We'll just stay mm-hmm. here until the chair falls apart. And by the time the chair falls apart, it's too late. Um, yeah, that's where they've got to. They're not they're not constantly trying to find a better chair. They've just and they've, settled. And they've been there for generations now. I mean, I remember when I was a teenager, and most of my friends were Parramatta Hill supporters, and so I would go to Parramatta Stadium a lot. I used to love going. To, to the station, you know, you'd get off there, you'd go and get some Maccas, then walk to the stadium. Um, and watching Parramatta just doing what they're doing right now. And it hasn't really changed. And they've had a couple of spikes, but that's it. Yeah. No, they've just been... Uh, it's, it's just been a constant procession of not good enough for Parramatta. Mm-hmm. They had, what, was it two grand final appearances since since eighty six. It's yeah. just not quite good enough. Yeah, when you, your best achievement, especially in the salary cap era of the NRL, and you are one of the headline Sydney clubs, you should have no issues with money. You should have no issues with being a, a, a team that draws talent. You have no issues with your juniors. Like, they've got everything. They're like, they're very similar. In fact, they probably have a better position than the Panthers are in that, they they should be able to draw more fans. They've got a better stadium. Uh, they're they're more of a media darling, I would suggest, than the Penrith Panthers have ever been. They they have no excuses to not be a headline team, and they're happy with just being fifty fifty like that. They're happy with that ceiling. They're happy with saying, "Oh yeah, we we made a couple of grand finals, lost them, but that's fine. We we made those grand finals. Remember the Hain plane? Yeah, that was a good year." Yeah, that's it. 2009. Yeah, happy with that. It's um, that 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 whole club from from front office to back to on the field just needs a massive boot in the pants. Yeah, they really do, and you know, I think that they've finally got away from people deciding that they need old footballers on the board. I think we've maybe got away from that era at the at the Eels because that was so frustrating. And it really did lead to a lot of issues at the club. Yeah. But... I don't know. And look, we're saying this. I mean, we both like to, to rip on Parramatta's performances. But at the same time, um, we love the game more. Um, and you just want to see teams being the best that they can be because that brings out the best rugby league. And that's what you want to watch is the best footy. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, I think Parramatta's just doing themselves an entire disservice. And... I generally feel sorry for Parramatta fans. I think they, they've they've got everything is set up perfectly, and yet they're doing everything they can to try and butcher it. Yeah, and and I, I've harped on it. I know I have. But I can't imagine what it would be like to have a good Eels team playing out of that beautiful stadium, that perfect stadium. It would be incredible. I can't even imagine how good it would be. So... To see them commit to just being okay going forward and to looking to re-sign players who are just okay going forward, it's so frustrating. It makes you want to pull your hair out because I want them to be aiming for the pinnacle of the sport and they're just not. 
Well, look, you know, there is an upside, man. That is, the West Tigers can just use that, that brand new ground as their home venue. Well, it is one of their 15 home stadiums. So what was the hashtag they were using on Twitter? Like it was, was it our jungle or something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the, the, the jungle that got completely deforested. Yeah, I, look, then that, the hashtag <laughs> just reminded me of like porno from the 70s. And it's like, what he's doing? But, um, but yeah, I, I can't believe, I can't believe it. I really can't. And, and that's it. That's all I've got to say about Parramatta. Yep. Uh, fully agree. They're, right now they're sitting at eighth on the ladder. Um, that's the problem they've got, those No team bounces back immediately with great success after being smacked like that. Um, they're lucky that they've got two out-of-form teams they're coming up against, but mm-hmm. the problem with out-of-form teams is they eventually do get a win. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got Cowboys this week, Penrith next week. And I wouldn't want to be playing. Look, Penrith the... are possibly the most due team for a win and a change in form there is in the competition at the moment. Yeah, and even the Cowboys, they when they hook it up, they're an experienced team. They're a team that has winning experience, most importantly, and they're not going to be easy to beat. Um, and they're at home next uh, this weekend too. Yeah, so. so there you go. It's they could be going in a couple of weeks' time, have a losing record, and be locked in. It's, for a, it's a tough one. So they've got Penrith at home, then they've got South at home at the new stadium there. Wow. Um, and if Penrith, if Penrith find their form sometime in the next week or two, that could be a loss coming up for Parramatta. There, South are going to be tough to beat. Sharks. Could have some of their players back by then, and that's a, that's at the Sharks' home ground there, and they've been surprising mm-hmm. a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Then they have got Brisbane and Canberra. Yeah, and well, Canberra is playing very good. They played a lot better against the the Roosters than I expected them to. Yeah, and who was it? The Broncos? Did you say? Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, the Broncos are another team that because they're all so young at the Broncos, you're just waiting for it to click for them, and when yeah. it does. They're going to be horrible to play against. That's right. And I think there have been a lot of teams that have been like, wow, we got out of that one, thankfully. And you look at who the Broncos will play before they play Parramatta. They've got the Roosters this weekend, but then they play the Warriors and the Titans. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if they're close to being in good form, playing against those two sides are going to help them you know, further cement that form. And then mm-hmm. they play against Parramatta after that. You know... Parramatta's looking like they're, they're in a situation now where if they don't win this week and next week, their season is effectively done because that's pretty much the halfway mark. And mm-hmm. they've got too many tough games coming up. And mm. I, I'm i I'm hesitant in saying that I think that they're going to be a top eight side. I just don't see it. No, I, I think at, at the very best, sneaking an eighth position. That's uh, like at the thing, very best. We're seeing that the, the Dragons and the Broncos are both outside the eight at the moment, as well as Penrith. I'm yeah. not sure Penrith have got enough in them to get into the finals. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But Brisbane and the Warriors are only two wins. Uh, sorry, Brisbane and the Dragons. They're one, two wins and one win outside of the, the finals race, uh, respectively. So they're within striking distance. And yeah. Brisbane's done that on horrible form. Mm-hmm. They're, still, they're still only two wins out. The Dragons are a good enough side to be in there. Um, so it's 
Parramatta needs a massive form reversal, and I don't think they're going to get it from, from Brad Arthur anytime soon. No, the only thing I'm really interested to see with this Parramatta team is once we've got a full season of them playing at home, um, how much they get out of playing at home at that stadium with the crowd completely on top of you. And Maybe and, that's the reason oh, behind crazy. the contract extension. Oh, he, hasn't, he didn't get to have a home ground last year, so let's do <laughs> another year with a proper full home ground season and uh, find another reason yeah. to put him in there. Exactly, yeah. It's a like, lot. Oh, we need to give him the perfect season. And then we'll know. Give him another two years. <laughs> yeah, probably. Look, at, at the end of this contract, he's going to have been there for nearly a decade. And that is extraordinary for, for any coach over the history of the game. There's only there's not a great deal of coaches that can say, oh, yeah, I was at the one club for 10 years. Um, and when you look at his record, wow. Well, I look at the, um, the West Tigers when they had Tim Sheens as coach. And in 2011, 2012... Mostly 2012, actually. Mm-hmm. The club hated him. and I mean, he'd made three final series since he'd been there in, in nine years and won him a premiership. Yeah. And it's like, no, nah, we're sick of him. And for all the right reasons, you know, he was making wrong calls. He was buying in the wrong players. The you know, cap was constantly at its limit all the time. We had very little wriggle room there. And more often than not, we're finishing ninth on the ladder all the time. Mm-hmm. Clubs attacked yeah. him. And the club oh, went through a bit of turmoil, hiring wrong coaches and whatnot. But yeah. they come out the other side to where they are now, where they've actually got themselves a, a generally good coach. They had a clean out of the roster and the boardroom. Mm-hmm. And things are actually looking positive into the future. Whereas I just don't see that that's the situation at Parramatta. Maybe I don't, I'm not looking enough into the Parramatta situation, but I just don't see how anything they're doing at the moment is a positive move for their long-term future. It just looks like let's just continue plodding along in eighth or ninth place. Yeah, this looks like their ceiling. Yeah, right. With the current setup, it does. Yeah, I just don't see this lineup being able to move above being at the very edge of the finals. And, like, they're not a top four side. They're definitely not a top six side. Um, It's, I can't believe they've locked into it. It really is perplexing to me. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I don't know. So I suppose we could talk. Aside from um, aside from uh, Griffin and Tuvi, what other coaches could they be looking at? That's a good question. Um, Would Matt Elliott be an idea? <laughs> First of all, <laughs> fuck you. All right, <laughs> I'll shut all this shit down. <laughs> no, I uh, just got to throw that fish out there. Yeah. I was just thinking about the 20 years that Matt Elliott coached Penrith. Oh, hang on. It just felt like that. Um, There's no one else out there that really jumps out at me that you would say is an upgrade over average. Um, I'm shocked that Griffin hasn't been employed yet. I really am. Um, I'm shocked that Tuvi hasn't been employed yet. And I think they're two really good coaches that are just – waiting for – I don't even think they would jump at the first opportunity. I think they would jump at the right opportunity. Oh, they definitely would. And yeah. they deserve to. I mean, they – but the thing is, they could take – they could dive into any club and make it better in a few years. Oh, definitely. Like, if they if they decided to say – and I look at a team like, for instance, the Titans, who are in a bit of a not-great situation, and they probably need probably three years. And, and Brennan's there, and he's a new coach, and – 
you know, he, he's got to be given time to do that himself. But just using them as an example, I think that if you signed either one of those coaches, they would be able to do that job. But I also think if you gave either one of those coaches, say, for instance, Newcastle, who also have to keep building towards something themselves, I think that they would probably, by the end of the year, look like a better side. Like, I just think that they're good coaches. I think that they're going to give you something extra. Um, and that's what you want from a coach. You don't want a coach that you say is just going to knock out the wins and losses and then by the end of it, it'll be great if they've got a 50% record. Um, and, I, I, yeah, that's what that's what Parramatta's looking at for their yeah. future. I think what we... Um... I mean, I'll do some, I'll do some number crunching on this during the week, but I'm pretty certain that the one thing that is more important when it comes to attack and defence to winning premierships is good defence, and that's the yeah. thing that, that Griffin and um, especially Tuvi um, yeah. can bring to a club is is a stiffer defence and, and a more uh, reliable defensive system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've seen enough of Brad Arthur's coaching over the years to suggest that. He's not quite there in that area. And yeah. that's why Parramatta's not quite there when it comes to the finals conversation. And also they're not quite there when it comes to premiership conversation and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. You've got to get that defence sorted out. I mean, at the moment, they're the only team in the top eight who's conceded 200 points or more this year. The next worst is Cronulla at 175. So they've conceded uh, 32 points more than Cronulla have. And that's a Cronulla side playing busted. Oh, they—they're a bits and pieces team at times. Yeah. Uh, incredible. What even the doing. even the next three teams below Parramatta on the ladder haven't conceded two hundred points yet. Mm-hmm. And Newcastle's one sixty, Dragons one eighty six, Brisbane one ninety five. Yeah, it's just it's just not good enough. Not, not at all. And sure, and, that might be. You could just say it's an isolated because they had that one big loss, but you shouldn't be mm-hmm. having those big losses if you want to be a top eight team. Definitely, and, if, and the losses like that are a bit of a canary in the coal mine as well. It's like, as you said, uh, you put out the stat a few weeks ago. No team has ever conceded fifty points and won a premiership. That's one of them. The teams that concede sixty points, you're starting to get into the statistical, like the upper end of the statistical issues at clubs like once you concede 60 points you've got some real problems um and what better time to re-sign your coach to an extended contract yeah i mean they knew i mean they're playing melbourne okay you know melbourne's a top quality side you know you've got to lift your game against them if you want to compete with them but after bellamy gave them a roasting as well Mm-hmm. They knew even more. They that play that team were going to respond because that's what he gets out of them. That's what he does. Mm. He wanted a response, and that's what he got. They knew that what they were, what they were in for there, and yeah. yet they still prepared that way and lost that game like that. It's, yeah. it's unforgivable. Yeah, and but that's what they're happy with apparently. And we'll probably see you know today they'll bring out the team changes and there'll be like two or three blokes that, you know they reshuffled some deck chairs. Two blokes mm-hmm. are on the bench instead of starting and. Next to no change has been made. It'll just be more of the same. And you're just looking to go on, you know, do I pick them this week against the Cowboys? Who knows now? I won't be. I'll be picking the Cowboys. Well, I'm I'm, I'm leaning that way. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. Paramount is a side that should be doing so much better. They've got enough decent people there 
if they had a, a good coach, they they should be a they should be performing better. They shouldn't have these things where they're beating the Tigers one week by racking up fifty, and then three or four weeks later they've let sixty in themselves against a different team. Yeah, that's, and that, that I always think of it as a natural resources test, and this is why when Penrith don't play well or they have down periods in their history, that it, it really upsets me because just based on the natural resources that they have at hand, they should always be pretty damn good. Not world beaters all, all the time, but they should be at least one of those teams that, you know, is is in the race. And Parramatta is one of those teams. They really well, are. This is the thing, though, with Penrith this year. Aside from... Last weekend's match, where they were just blown off the park in the first 15, 20 minutes. Um, the rest of the game was pretty much as they've been playing all year, where they've been in the game. You know, the last sixty what was the last sixty three minutes of the game against the Tigers last week. I think, I think the Tigers won six four. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how they've been going. It's not been anything inspiring in attack, mm-hmm. um, and they've been in the games prior to that against Canberra. Um, you know, that got blown a bit towards the end. Uh, they were right in there against South. They threw away the game against the Sharks and the Titans. Um, mm. They did everything they could to lose the game to the Tigers. They were <laughs> only really outclassed against the Storm. And even then, the Storm only put 30, 32 on them. Mm-hmm. Penrith aren't far away from a win. But the fact that they're getting so much people looking at them going, man, they're so shit this year. Mm. It shows you that the expectations for that club within it and within the media and with fans is so much higher. Yeah, but when Parramatta's getting treated the way they are, people go, "Oh, yeah, but they're still in eighth place." It's sort of an uphill, you know, sort of an upward inflection. Sort of, you know, oh, they're not doing so bad, and people are sort of mm-hmm. going because they sort of expect Parramatta to constantly finish midfield. Yeah, even the yeah. club isn't projecting this is this image of we want to be the best. They're projecting this image of we're happy being in the middle. And, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's got to change. The culture's club, all wrong. What club wants to do that? You know, every single club should be saying we're aiming for the top. We're aiming for the very top. Not like we're aiming for eighth. Let's get locked in at eighth place. That's what we want. We want finals appearances every year, but in eighth spot. Because that's where the action is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't understand why they would do it. But, and I don't know how Parramatta fans would feel about it. Because I'd be furious that's the sort of thing like when Penrith would re-sign Matthew Elliott and you're like, what do you want from this club? What do you want from the team? What do you want from the performances that you look at what we're doing on the field and you say, yeah, that's all right. That'll do. Yeah, it's uh... – I know they've got some head scratching to do, that's for sure. Definitely, definitely. Uh-huh. So I was going to punch out a few quick stats here about the years before we wrap it up, okay? Okay, yeah. Un- un- under Brad Arthur's reign, okay? So this is this is only in the, the years 2014 to, to right now. Yeah. Who do you think has been their highest point scorer? Ooh, this is a really good one. Okay, their highest point scorer in that time. Um, wow. Oh, wow. How dare you? Ah, uh, this is a really difficult one. Uh, I, I've got no idea. Semi Radraja. No, no way. 310 points. Who's next on the list? Have you got that? <laughs> yeah, Mitch Moses, 242 points. 
Moses oh. is still 68 points behind Semi. Oh, that's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. A try scorer is the highest point scorer there. Yeah. A driver oh had goodness. 77 tries and one goal. Who do you reckon runs second to Semi Rodrigo for most tries for, for Parramatta in that time? Most tries. Okay. Just at a guess, I'm going to say Bevan French. Yes, he had 35. He's got less than half of Semis. Yeah. Because he, and to be fair, earlier on, I looked at his first season and I was pretty surprised at how well he was doing. Like his first full season, so that's that's why I thought it might be him. But then again, like I'll go for the second. Have you got the second top try scorer or third? Or third? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got them all okay. here, mate. Um, They've got yeah, two third. others there actually who scored at least thirty. Okay, third top try scorer. Oh man, I should have kept my mouth shut. But uh, Michael Jennings, maybe. Yeah, Michael Jennings has got 31. And he's I feel like he's hardly been there for that long. 74 games. Okay, yeah. I mean, he's not been there for that long. And uh, fourth on that list is Jared Hay. Oh, no. <laughs> wow, that's terrible. That's so, really uh, bad. And how many players do you think under Brad Arthur in that 2014-2019 period have had at least 50 wins? Just the number. Okay, um, 50, 50 wins. I'm going to I'm gonna say none. Two. Two. Tim Manners got 52 and Corey Norman had 51. And yeah. they both lost more than that. Wow. Lucky they, they got rid, lucky they got rid of Corey Norman, eh? Yeah, they're the only two players also under Brad Arthur's reign who have been there for at least 100 games. Manners had 110, Norman had 107. Jeez. Then they've got uh, Manimo and uh, Maoroa both on 98. That You know, those stats, when you look at those, they're the stats that you should be getting out of a club that is like bottom of the ladder. Like an old school bottom of the ladder, like Western Suburbs Magpies bottom of the ladder stuff. Yeah, I, was, I must admit, I was a bit surprised that... Um, their top point scorer over the last you know five six years was mm. just a bloke who scored tries. Yeah, and like to be fair, he scored a lot of tries, but it should yeah. never be a try scorer. Never. It just shows you how much they relied on one player, and he's well, a how, winger of all players. Well, how much? How much did you say? How many points did you say he had? Three hundred and ten. He scored seventy-seven tries in eighty-seven games. I mean, I think of someone like Jared Croker at the the Canberra Raiders. He'd get close to that in one season. 310. I, I think he did one one year. Was it 2016? Because I, I know that 300 points in a season is like a... You're a statistical outlier. Yeah, 2016, he's, uh, Croker scored 296 points. Yeah, so, it, I mean, he's getting close in one season. So mm. that means that they... And look, he, he's a very, very top point scorer, but... It just shows that they haven't really had, they haven't really had a, a goal kicker for more than you'd think that they would have had one for like three seasons or even four seasons in that run, but they just haven't. Yeah, it's um, 
Yeah, they're, they're not great stats. <laughs> no, they're terrible. They're really, really bad. Wow. Poor Eels fans. At least they get to sit in a nice stadium watching this crap. That's all right. Just looking at it. So they've had 14 players in that period who have played 50 games or more. And 14. Beaters. <laughs> 14 and 56 who have played less than 50. And like you think about, and I think we talked about this earlier, how many, how many players have they recruited from outside the club that you could say were top-line players during Arthur's time? Like you've obviously got uh, Ferguson this year. Who is yeah, Kieran Foran. Foran, who uh, let's be fair, was a top of the line player when they got him. You couldn't have thought that everything was going to happen as it did. So that's, that's right. let's be fair there. Um, Michael Jennings, yeah, Anthony Watmo, Watmo, who's I I thought he was bad signing at the time, got injured though, and and it just didn't work out. Uh, Tony Williams. I can't and remember how, how he was going before he came to Parramatta. Was he? How many games did he play, Tony? Because he was on a big uh, contract. Five. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, who else is there? Let's uh, look through the list here. Let's see, Michael Gordon. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a good player. Jared Hayne he brought back. Jared Hayne, yeah. Uh, look, that and you thought. You would think that that would have been a good move, and it just didn't work out. I oh, mean, we've got, played all we've, right. We've got the obvious one, uh, Mitch Moses. Oh, superstar. <laughs> <laughs> that's why yeah. Brisbane wants him, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. There's absolutely no, no, no foundation to that rumor whatsoever, other than someone's <laughs> trying to make a name for themselves was a rumor. That's about as believable as you know. Me getting a call up to Penrith next week as captain. I'm the only person in the country that isn't, but I still don't <laughs> like my chances. Yeah. Well, we went from having like half a dozen captains to one. Yeah, it's a wrong one, but still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and all the options in the world, you still chose the wrong one. It's just like statistically, you would have thought they would have picked a better one, but they picked the worst one. Yeah, oh, they watched that big time. But anyway, Danny. this is about heaping misery on the eels, so... We're going yeah. to get more Penrith bashing again. I, think, I, I feel like we're going to get to a point with Penrith season. And as I've said, I'm not expecting them to turn things around. It would be nice if they did. I, I just don't expect them to. No. The but we're going to get to some loss where they're going to play like, they're going to play the Storm or the Roosters or something, and they're going to lose by probably 60 points. And I'm going to just, I'm going to flick you a message and say, Andrew, I need you to fire it up because I have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the intro and then I'll just sit back and listen yeah. to you going nuts. Yeah. I was just yeah, thinking at the end of the season review, if it doesn't get any better for the Panthers, it's just going to be me talking to you and you're very, very drunk. <laughs> and very, yeah. very angry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I like to call it, Tuesday through Friday. <laughs> at least it's good to know that you take a break over the weekend. Well, you know, you don't want to ruin your liver completely. You'll have some sort of quality of life when you hit 40. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I want to live into my 50s. <laughs> What's their parameter premiership by then? Well, I'm just waiting for the next Peter Sterling to come along. I really did think that it was like, you know, Tim Smith. I really did. 
thought he was oh, the man. Or Sandow, or Mitch Moses, or... Wow, this could go on for a while. Chris Thorman. Chris Thorman. <laughs> ah, wow. John Simon. Will Smith. Yeah. I was ready for the Willie name. Uh, Luke, Luke Kelly. Oh, I forgot about Luke Kelly. Wow, he was a feature player for him. Far out. He was fans. We do feel sorry for you, fans. We really do. Really? Honestly do. Like, I'm not even saying it. I know people sometimes think I'm always being sarcastic, but I really do. I feel sorry for Parramatta fans. Yeah. We we prefer to rip on players, not fans. Yeah. Yeah, because fans just want what we all want. Yeah. They want to see their team going well, and they want to see the game going well, and Parramatta's not delivering either. No. Not at all. So you've got our condolences, Parramatta fans. It's not all about heaping shit on you. Um. Well, even though the last, what, 45 minutes to an hour has been? <laughs> sort of, yeah. After listening to this, I'd expect Parramatta fans to be like, season's over, I'm not watching them anymore. Yeah. And to be fair, it'd probably be good for you. <laughs> probably good for the club too, because if you send them a good message. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll wrap this one up um, on that high note. And, uh, yeah, catch us on YouTube. It says going gangbusters on there. So go over there and subscribe and like all the videos and play them through while you're going out doing the gardening or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, be sure to subscribe to us on, on iTunes and give us a five-star rating on there. And if you want, give us a, a review, something awesome about, you really know. Really nice, yeah. Say something like you want heaps and heaps of money by listening to the podcast, something weird like that. Yeah, yeah. I can't add anything extra to that. That's that's taken up all my ideas. But yeah, yeah probably <laughs> something like that. That'd be fantastic. Um, Tell us yeah. about your wonderful website, Andrew. Which oh yes, yes, rugby league project. Well, I mean that's I've spoken about this heaps. Go on there if you want to find out stats and history and team lineups of every sort of game everywhere. Adding tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I got asked not too long ago in a private message on Twitter um, how much I thought the website was completed. You know what percentage. Mm-hmm. And I think they were assuming it was something where around the mark for about seventy or eighty percent, and I said it's probably around the thirty to thirty-two percent mark. Yeah, they're a bit shocked. Why is it so? Why is it so far from completion? I mean, there's probably close to at least ten thousand games um, that need to be added in or updated. Wow. That's um. I mean, there's at least yeah, there's at least five thousand uh, fifty. Oh, I can't remember now. So many frigging games. All those English Lots. league games since in ninety five have got to be put in there yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they had seasons with five hundred games every year for, you know, hundred odd years. Mm-hmm. It's a fair whack. They dwarfs yeah. the NRL side. So yeah. there's so much more to be done there. So I need to work on it full time. If you want to help me do that, go to my Patreon page, um, www.patreon.com slash RL project. And, and you can and make can a donation. Yeah, can yep. I just say, look, it's important to feed your kids. It really is. But what yeah. are they going to do when they become adults? Are they not going to have their stats available? So you need to think about what your priorities should be. So they can they can have rice. You can live on rice for a long time. So just give the kids rice and put all your money into the Patreon for Rugby League Project. Well said, well said. Yeah. Um, as we found out, yes, in, in the uh, last episode, I mean, I just feed my daughter whiskey. 
Well, she seems <laughs> to like it. She's fine. She's fine. As she says, you're the greatest dad ever. She says, mm, yum. She's <laughs> fine. So, uh, yeah, look, go on there. Put some, put some money on the Patreon. You can donate as little as a dollar a month. Um, and all I'm asking for is around about three, three grand to 3500 a month on there would be all I need to cover all site costs and to work on the site full time. It sounds huge, I know, but um, I've got nearly 3,000 Twitter followers, and if all of those put in $1 each, bang, job done. It doesn't sound so big when you look at it that way. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Just in, $1. Here she is. Now we have, now have two lipsticks on. So drunk. Right. One, one lipstick of sparkles. Now I've got one lipstick of pink, Pinkie Pie. Okay, fantastic. Amazing. amazing. I agree, it is amazing. Whatever that was. She's off it again. was pretty amazing, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I think she found her lip gloss. And she's got oh, nice. 16 lines of each on there, so she's talking like she's got the whole lip of collagen in her mouth because she doesn't want her lips to touch. <laughs> oh, man. Learning about beauty already. Yeah, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> um, on that rather cheery and cute note, uh, we will... Uh, Wrap it up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, also, before we do, um, don't forget, League Freak has a website as well full of brilliant opinion pieces and stuff going oh. back going back to the 1950s, I believe. Um, so good. I'm trying to th- I think my one of my first ones that I could find from, because at, at one stage I had to repopulate it from old articles from a site. I think I got one on there from 2004, um, and it's just, it's crazy to see how much I've written about the game. It's like you'd think that I'd get to the point where it's like I've got no more opinions left, but they're just flowing out of me. Yeah. Now, now we can't even bother typing. We just we just talk them instead because it's just yeah. easier. Look, I like to save my fingers now. Plus, we 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 get that people can't be asked reading anymore. So yeah, yeah. just just tell it to you, and you can just listen to it, and then exactly, and you don't you have can... to. Read my spelling mistakes and things like that. <laughs> I mean, I capitalised rugby and league. How annoying is that? That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the best thing about running your own site. You just, you're the boss. So you make the like, rules. Yeah. It's like, you know what we do here at leaguefreak.com? We do whatever the fuck I say. <laughs> and uh, it's the best part about it all. That certainly is. That certainly mm. is. How good is that as a promo for my site? Just coming off like an arrogant prick. <laughs> I'd say, would anyone be surprised by that? No, not at all. <laughs> That's what makes it work, mate. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, you know, someone has to fill that gap in the market, don't they? Yeah. Like... Uh... <laughs> I feel like you're going to say something. I feel like you're going to say something. It's going back to uh, something about the uh, mainstream media, which I won't get into. Yes. yes, um, (laughs) You do it in a more entertaining manner. I could hear your brain working, thinking... "Mm, How do I say it? Not say it. (laughs) I don't have a lawyer's... Jeez, need someone to retain it before I say that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think I reeled myself in rather well there. Yeah, you did good. You did real good. I will say, uh, Bryden's Lawyers, if you want to get on board as a sponsor, <laughs> please get in touch. Please. We want us to work for you. Please. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> come to us before we need to come to you. Yes. yes. 
Um, on that, uh, yes, on that note, we'll uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up uh, for a third time here. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Retweet and share it around everywhere as you can on Facebook and you on uh, Twitter, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Goodbye, Australia.